When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. If you've been following me on Twitter, you may have noticed I'm finally doing something about my weight and my health. I decided it's time to get back to my MVP weight. So I started Awaken 180 Weight Loss. I'm already feeling fantastic. The best part, I'm already down nine pounds. I could have hit the treadmill for a year and not seen the results that I've had with Awaken 180. Just like during my plan days, Awaken is all about losing weight and focusing on nutrition, coaching, and science. No pills, no gym. As you know, I travel a ton, but no worries there because Awaken 180 has a worldwide program. I can still have my weekly consults via Skype. When I'm back in Boston, I visit the government center location. Besides healthy living, my favorite part about Awaken is free support for life. We are all stuck at home these days. But join me and get healthy. Call the solution for weight loss. Awaken 180. Weight loss. Get on board just as I did. Go to awaken180weightloss.com. Hey guys, it's Josh Lewin. This is Red Sox Beat for another week. And maybe by the time you're listening to this, there will be some good news about an actual season. The latest, as I am recording this uh, late on Monday afternoon, Memorial Day, is that the Major League Baseball owners are going to present their financial proposal to the Players Association very soon. Revenue sharing might not be a part of it. All that sounds pretty good. We are just so ready, right? I mean, all of us are just so, so ready here. And whatever they've got to do to get this going, I think we're all ready for it. Uh, we, We love the Zoom parties. We love some of the creative things and marketing strategies that teams have had to adopt to to get us just talking baseball again. But there's nothing like actual baseball, and hopefully we are moving towards that. Alex Spear is going to join us from the Boston Globe. What a great young writer he is. You know him from his work on Nesson as well, but just a wealth of information. We're going to get into some off-field stuff because, well, it's all off-field stuff right now, but we want to keep it somewhat Red Sox-centric. And before I forget, by the way, I totally messed something up on last week's podcast. I was supposed to do a a drop-in for a very good sponsor, and and I totally messed it up. So I want to make sure they're right at the very top of the broadcast today so I don't forget to do it again. And it's not a, a comfortable subject for a lot of people, but I think it's something that is deserving of talking about, and that is the old erectile dysfunction. We just kind of brush that off or blame ourselves. We say, I lost my mojo or whatever. We just kind of move along. We say, I had a long day at work, whatever. But uh, with Roman, 
it's getting easier to talk about this stuff because you can do it with a real doctor who can prescribe real medication. It's simple. It's safe. It's totally discreet. With Roman, you can get a free online evaluation and ongoing care for ED all from the comfort and privacy of your home. The doctor works with you to find the best treatment plan if medication is appropriate. Sometimes it is, sometimes it's not. But if it is, Roman ships it to you with free two-day shipping. Thank you, Roman. So the, the whole process, very straightforward, very simple, and the big word, discreet. Getting started is simple. Go to roman.com slash socks and complete an online visit. Erectile dysfunction used to be tough to tackle, but now there's Roman. Get the online visit going today, connect with a doctor, and get it taken care of. Get roman.com slash socks for a free visit to get started. Okay, so uh, now that I know that I will not forget to to mention that, I do want to bring on Alex here. And uh, yeah, again, not to to get too weird about all the the off-field stuff, but it's just so... It's so nice when there's any little flicker of just actual baseball and not talk about either coronavirus or how the millionaires and billionaires are going at it. Even the Nationals getting their World Series rings, and by the way, not a huge fan of what they did on them. You know, I mean, the whole 108 diamonds was so convoluted. Oh, we got 105 regular season wins, and then we're going to put one diamond in there for actually winning the championship, two more in there to... Uh, is a nod to our, our history because we had we had two different teams here it was the Expos and the Nationals. I, I think they just somehow messed up. Honestly, I, you know, I think that they they meant to have 105 diamonds, so they put 108 on there, and then they had to explain it. But the fact that that's something we can talk about, and I didn't mention COVID 19 for the last 30 seconds, I, I think that's a total win. And I didn't mention whether or not the the owners and players are going to play nice in that construct. Let's get to Alex, who had the honor of doing the Baseball Notes column in the Globe very recently. We'll talk to him about that. And, and who knows what else? Let's start the interview with Alex. All right, as promised, Alex Spear joins us of the Boston Globe. You might know him from television instead. He, he is the great stats Masterson, plays himself on TV. Uh, and and uh, <laughs> let's, start, let's actually dive in there because, you know, that just makes me miss baseball more is, you know, waiting around for around the third inning. Here comes Alex to, you know, just get abused by Dennis Eckersley and <laughs> quizzed by by uh, by O'Brien. So you must miss that, too, Alex. I mean, it, it, it's such a simple thing. It's just part of your life that I'm sure was just kind of like a, a one off. But you, you've got to miss stuff like that these days. I mean, certainly you meet you miss people, right? Like we miss the opportunity to be around people, and we and you. It does make you appreciate the fact that baseball is a kind of like backdrop to a conversation a lot of times, right? And you worry about that part of the game and the uh, and the post COVID um, landscape of what our experience is going to be like at games, whether or not um, whether or not in a press box or in the stands, you're going to be six feet away from people for a while and what that would do to the dynamics of, of the experience of the game. Um, you miss it. It makes you think about what the, what the weird unknown new normal is going to look like. Um, yeah, I've, uh, I've, it's Memorial day, right? This was the day of like, you know, of cookouts with, uh, with baseball on in the background, whether on the radio or, you know, or, you know, on, on in the living room while you're out on the deck, you know, flipping a burger. And, uh, it's there, there are, it, it is truly the, the everyday ritual of it. Um, and how it allows you to connect to other people that, that you miss so much. 
And another ritual, I think you'd agree, because we are taping this on Memorial Day, is this is the first mile post where we all look at the standings, right? We're all supposed to say, okay, you know, now the stats are real, the standings are real. Well, everybody's hitting zero. Everybody's zero and zero. It's Memorial Day. We've got nothing to look at. And kind of on that tangent, you know, another thing I'm assuming that you missed, because you wouldn't be named Stats Masterson if you weren't so good, <laughs> good at statistical deep dives, but... Normally, right, we'd be culling through all kinds of statistical mumbo-jumbo, trying to make sense of it, comparing this guy to that guy. There's none of that right now. Yeah, you the, the way it occupies your brain space is it's just not there, right? Like, we, yes, there's, there's nothing to look at. Um, it was actually kind of interesting for me. I, I received uh, a, a couple of video, uh, a couple of, uh, of video snippets today on my phone of, like, Daniel Bard throwing... Uh, in Greenville, where he's working out with some major leaguers and minor leaguers, Heath Hembry uh, throwing a live batting practice. And it, it feels like it's just popped in from, I don't know, another time, another world um, to actually see that kind of live baseball setting. Um, we, we, of course, see it in like Korea if you're staying up that long. But um, yeah, it's it's a really weird thing. You almost forget we've, we've there's the the baseball world right now is just figuring out will there be a season will there not under what conditions will there be a season and we forget about the players which is the fun part like seeing guys on the field is and and then doing exactly what you're talking about finding context for the performances that we're seeing and the amazing things that are happening or the guys who are falling short of expectations and what's happening there. Is it a small sample blip? Is it something more significant? Um, you know, the way in which those get to occupy our, our minds over a day to day period and, and the fun of it, um, it, it's, it ain't here. And, uh, and we're all kind of scrambling to find other things. Um, if, <laughs> uh, although I guess I'm not really scrambling to find other things since like a lot of other folks, I'm, I'm trying to learn how to teach my kids and run their school days, um, you know, while, uh, while we deal with, uh, this very strange reality. I'm going to give you a new nickname, by the way, not that I don't love stats Masterson, but you are captain Segway because I was just about to mention <laughs> with no shortage of action going on at betonline.ag, They're the guys who can give you a a little bit of content fun. NASCAR is back. Bet Online has hundreds of games, events, and sports still to, to get it on here. So you can uh, you can be betting on simulated things, too, obviously. NFL, NBA, UFC, that's all going on. There's a $10,000 Madden Bracket Challenge. And uh, all kinds of fun things that they're going to keep on rolling through because you'd expect Bet Online to be doing exactly that. So whether it's way off the board stuff you never would have thought of, or some simulations that kind of make you feel like you're, you're still in sports. Go to the website, use your mobile device, join today to receive your new welcome bonus. Check out all the action. As always, Bet Online is your online wagering solution. Alex Spear is joining us from the Boston Globe, the author of an incredible deep dive book in the Red Sox, which we'll get into on a different podcast at a different time. But uh, if you haven't Amazoned homegrown yet, uh, you, you really should be doing that. Alex, you, you brought up pitching, and I'm glad you did, because one of the things that you got to do recently, and, and maybe this is a dream come true, I don't know, you got to do the Sunday Notes column in mm. the Boston Globe. You did it very, very well, not a surprise, but you chose to, to write mostly about pitching. And if you'd be so kind, can you kind of encapsulate for us, summarize what you found out when talking about what happens to pitching when we do get going again, because that really is the at-risk group, is it not? 
You would think so. And, and anecdotally, in other years where there's been a short spring training especially, um, there have been pitchers who have talked about uh, the injuries that occurred, whether, you know, especially, um, you know, there have been conversations about shoulder and elbow injuries uh, and whether or not having a brief spring training to build up, you know, roughly a three-week or four-week period rather than the typical six weeks uh, has played into that. And those concerns were amplified recently because the Yankees team physician, Dr. Chris Ahmad, uh, wrote uh, wrote a blog post saying, you know, saying that he was worried that um, that the guys were going to be trying to jump back too fast on the treadmill, so to speak, uh, from the layoff, and that they were uh, in so doing potentially at risk of you know of putting stress on their elbow that could lead to bad news. And so uh, I I talked with Chris Ahmad, um, who actually uh, had tested positive. He at one point had. Uh, had been infected with the with COVID, uh, with COVID, as had everyone in his family. Uh, he followed that by working in the emergency room at uh, at the Columbia University Medical Center because you know he would have uh, be, because he he would uh, he was hopeful that he would have immunity or some you know some lesser some reduced health risk. But at any rate, um, he's been thinking a lot during this pandemic about uh, the depend- the potential risks. But he's not overly concerned that major leaguers. Who you know? Who take very good care of themselves during this period? Who find ways of starting the buildup now rather than waiting for spring training to get back together? Um, can maybe avoid undue risk of injury. But those are some significant assumptions because a lot of guys don't have access to you know whether it's weight equipment or whether it is throwing partners uh, or batters to face for live batting practice sessions. So there are a lot of challenges that exist with it, and also some guys like the rest of us. Uh, are dealing with all of these, you know, different stresses at home uh, that can make it challenging to stay in, you know, in ideal athlete shape. Um, so the overall picture that uh, that Chris Ahmad and some other folks, whether it was Mike Reinold, uh, who's currently a medical advisor with the White Sox, formerly the Red Sox trainer, or Dave Bush, the Red Sox pitching coach, um, they they believe that there's there's concern that there could be risk. It's avoidable risk potentially, but. You know, there's there are so many unknowns in terms of how pitchers prepare. So I think that it's obvious that we should expect that the role of starting pitchers, especially to start the season, is going to be diminished because they're going to be not as far along in terms of their progression. Um, and you hope that they're going to be in a in a place where they aren't going to be taking on too much injury risk. But th- there's there's certainly a possibility that on top of you know of the more significant life and death. Uh, health concerns that we have related to the coronavirus, um, that there could also be uh, injury risk for guys' athletic careers, um, particularly those of pitchers. So as we look at some of the other things regarding pitching, I want to take a kind of Red Sox-centric. Are are we agreed that this was going to be a rough year pitching-wise anyway for the fellas? And I was interested to see what Dave Bush would look like as a a pitching coach. That's one of the things that uh, I guess I'm still hoping to, to see before too long. Ready to see if Martin Perez could actually be a guy that, that you know wouldn't just be some roster filler, but maybe they can sculpt him and then he can become like a, a big deal part of the rotation. What are some of the other things other than the fact that uh, it just looks like almost a, a tryout camp, you know, down towards the bottom of the rotation and deep in the bullpen? There's just, you know, we were talking about so many names back when there was the spring training. How do you think it all comes out of the blender, assuming that there is a season? Are the Red Sox going to have? enough pitching yeah it's a it's a great question i mean you know they they 
they certainly had optimism regarding some of the depth options that they were uh, that they were building, right? Like you know, guys. But a lot of those were on the were on the relief side of things. So you know, a guy like Phillips Valdez had made a positive impression in camp at uh, at an early point after being over as a waiver claim, um, and you know, guys who they had. Uh, who they had found like Chris Mazza or um, or you know the, Matt Hall. There there were guys who maybe aren't terribly familiar, but they they see the possibility of kind of mixing and matching, putting together a pitching staff uh, that has depth. It's obviously missing a ton at the top, right? Chris Sale gone for the year. David Price traded, so uh, Rick Porcello gone. Um, and you know you're looking at re- thus far you're looking at uh, at Martin Perez who's uh, whose career track doesn't match any of those guys. You're looking at, you know, Ryan Weber, who's been an up and down guy uh, as one of the other primary candidates to replace them. So, you know, on, on paper, certainly in terms of talent base, they are significantly reduced. Um, but the, they're, they're kind of these interesting X factors where, you know, Chaim Bloom has had staffs in Tampa Bay that were thought of as being kind of down in terms of talent, you know, whether it was seeing like an Alex Cobb leave, uh, leave the Rays or, or seeing, you know, Chris Archer being traded and the way in which Tampa Bay was able to use people played to their strengths in a way that allowed them to offset the theoretical talent deficit. Now, you know, Tampa Bay also has uh, this kind of factory assembly line of like crazy live arms, um, as well as a, a diversity of, of arms uh, that has allowed them to do a lot of things to, to maximize their ability to match up. Whether or not the Red Sox can do the same is a great unknown, but you know it would be it would be certainly interesting to see how the experiment would be unfolding. I do think that there's a lot uh, with a lot with the Red Sox and their pitching staff is going to be a reflection of how the front office and uh, you know fr- how the front office and how Dave Bush uh, and Ron Renneke are able to uh, are able to figure out how to get the most out of them. Assuming, of course, that there's a season, which is um, I guess we can't take fully for granted. Yeah, again, I keep saying it's a whole nother podcast, but seriously, that one is a whole nother podcast. And I feel like I've done that podcast like nine weeks in a row. So it's nice to just kind of talk a little uh, just basic baseball with you, to be honest, Alex. And and some of the stuff that you wrote about this past week in that Sunday Notes column in The Globe, you, you brought up Daniel Bard. And that's a guy that, you know, other than the fact that you know, I knew he had moved on to be the mental skills coach with the Diamondbacks, you forget about him. Uh, you know, his career kind of unspooling because he couldn't throw strikes that started basically eight years ago, right? I mean, he hasn't appeared in a big league game since 2013, I guess it is. Yeah. He's about to turn 35. He's giving pitching another shot. You reported he's working out in Greenville, which is where he met his wife way back when, when he was playing for the drive. So, you know, I mean, working out at, at Floor Field and trying to get back to the big leagues. I know there's a lot that still has to be connected there to get from A to B, but that would be a fun story, right? If, if suddenly Daniel Bard was, was able to be in the in the big leagues again somehow. I mean, it would be crazy if a guy who's, you know, who's 34, 35 years old and hasn't pitched in the big league since his 20s was able to make his way back. That would be, you know, yeah, that's the that's the type of thing that um I don't know, we we all love those stories, right? Who doesn't love a story of someone who uh, who is able to confront adversity and to come back. But honestly, like I Daniel Bard is uh, he's an awesome, he's an amazing guy um, and someone who has remarkable perspective and always has. I saw him a couple of years ago when he was uh, when he was pitching uh, in Pirates camp um, and he came over to uh, he came over to JetBlue Park in spring training. 
um, to pitch an inning. He was he was experimenting with a sidearm delivery at that time. Uh, still had great you know great life, but um, he's you know he appreciates the fact that he has an opportunity to even try to compete. And he's you know he's uh, there's a there's a humility about him. There always has been honestly, even when he was uh, when he was one of the best relievers in baseball. So the fact that he, you know, the fact that he feels good, the fact that his arm is still pretty electric, I, I think uh, the, the way I've heard it is that he was kind of working out with some of these other minor leaguers and, and big leaguers uh, in Greenville who live in the Greenville area and who are just trying to, like, stay sharp. So they're socially distanced uh, while working out in Greenville's ballpark. Uh, but, you know, they, they didn't really know him, right? Because it's been that long since he was a dominant reliever. Um, and some of these younger players just weren't aware of him uh, at his peak. Uh, and so this guy who's 34 years old steps on the bump and all of a sudden there's, you know, fastballs whistling in the mid upper 90s. And they're like, wait a second, what's that? Um, it would be great if, if something comes of it. But even the fact that he's uh, kind of courageous enough, honestly, to continue trying to do this um, is is pretty remarkable in its own right, and you know, frankly, like the opportunity just to see video of uh, of a Daniel Bard slider um, from a home plate view today was was kind of fun. You know, another stealth fun story for me is something you had in the notes column too. That's Mitch Moreland getting named Jimmy Fund captain for the upcoming season. And and the reason why this is remarkable to me, and maybe you have some of the same thought, uh, I was doing the Texas Rangers games. I was their TV voice when Mitch first got called up to the big leagues. He was so quiet. And the last guy you'd ever think would put himself voluntarily as the head of anything. You know, you'd say hello, and Mitch was stuck for an answer in, in 2010. And here he is. I know he's not Brock Holt. Nobody is, is quite as out there and effervescent and has the great voice and a great presentation and all of that as as Brock does. So, you know, these were going to be big shoes to fill. But for Mitch Moreland to not only come back to the Red Sox in the first place, but now seem to, to be a staple of the clubhouse, a staple of the community, a spokesperson, that's a remarkable story to me. It it is. It's because it's it's unexpected, right? You would expect that uh, he came it, ten years ago, which is when Moreland made his debut. Is kind of a, a very long time in terms of how the baseball landscape has shifted. Um, but back in 2010, it was certainly the case that young players were expected to come up and and kind of fall in line, right? Like be that quiet guy who was absorbing lessons from more veteran teammates. Um, and you know, Moreland slowly, you know, slowly had his. Uh, had his place grow in uh, with the Rangers, certainly an enormously respected guy while he was with the Rangers. Um, but yeah, it, he wasn't he wasn't a visible person. And now the fact of the matter is he's this he's the senior member of the Red Sox, right? Like with Dustin Pedroia uh, not having been around this spring, he is the elder statesperson. He is the uh, he is the the veteran uh, who is who's seen the most and who um, who's just kind of accepted. It's it's not necessarily. Uh, an intrinsic part of who he is, but um, he accepts the responsibility of being uh, being a face of the team. But the weird part of it is, it's not like he's done this over the course of having a you know a five year contract with the Red Sox or a, a long term deal, uh, or having come up with them you know like Brock Holt and having been under team control before free agency for parts of you know eight years in the case or seven years in the case of Holt. In the case of Moreland, he's you know he's someone who. Uh, came over as a free agent, you know, was here for a year, then signed another two-year deal, then signing another one-year deal. 
Guys very rarely assume that kind of leadership role when their employment history is kind of tenuous. Um, you know, I, I kind of liken it maybe to a Mike Timlin, who was uh, one of the only other Mike Timlin, Moreland, Veritech, and David Ortiz are the only players uh, who I've been able to identify for the Red Sox this century who have signed three deals with the team, three majorly guaranteed deals with the team as free agents. Um, it, it says something, though, about it, it's interesting to look at all four of those guys and to think about the clubhouse gravitas that they had um, and uh, that being a kind of X factor and bring them back into the fray. One other fun thing to do, and, and you've completely mined this perfectly in the notes column from this past weekend, when, when you start to try to, to, again, do those deep dives and try to make some connections, like, you know, why does this remind you of that? One of the great ones you had in there, because we're talking about fun stories to ponder, you, you somehow got Carlos Fables linked with Bartolo Colon, which I love. <laughs> they, they share a birthday, so that, that's the connective tissue, and that's fantastic. But you stop to think that Colon is three years older than Carlos Fables, and here's Big Sexy talking about still pitching again. That's the kind of fun story that I, I think we're all chasing right now. We're all hoping for right now. And, you know, we look at all these Red Sox guys that are not with the team, not with the organization anymore. I mean, this bloodbath on the on the depth of 2018 and 19. Stephen Wright is gone. Uh, you know, uh, Brian Johnson and Sandy Leone and Sam Travis and Bobby Pointer and, uh, you know, obviously Hector Velazquez. I mean, all these guys that, you know, these are not huge names. I'm not talking about Mookie Betts being gone. Just the, the basic foundation fundamental guys so you start to wonder where their pollen is going to drift and, and what kind of fun stories might we get out of them again i think just kind of speaks alex to to why we miss baseball so much these are the kind of stories i think that great reporters like you have fun chasing right and, and there's just, there's nothing to chase right now nothing to chase you know the, we were like the the spring as it existed was very much a getting to know you time with the amount of turnover that existed with the Red Sox clubhouse. And you felt the degree of turnover on a day-to-day -day basis, right? Like it took me a while to be able to, there were, there were, I think 68 people in Red Sox big league camp, which was way more than what we've seen in previous years. Um, I think, you know, in some cases there were a dozen fewer people in big league camp for the Red Sox over the course of the last, uh, since they had moved into JetBlue park. Um, and it was, so it was still very much in the getting to know you phase and we never really progressed beyond, I, I thought that it was a great achievement that I'm pretty sure that I did have every face matched with a name by the time I, uh, by the time I last left Fort Myers on March 3rd, but yeah, yeah, yeah I, I worked hard on that one, but, uh, <laughs> but yeah, we, we can't, it's right. You're, you're missing, right. You're missing the, the personality of a, of a team. It's, you know, it's. Everything is just kind of an on-paper exercise that's been frozen in time over the course of the last uh, couple of weeks. By the way, you inspired me, Josh, in, in bringing up uh, in, in the celebration of the proximity of Febles to Bartolo uh, to look this up while we were talking. Uh, right. Febles was two for 13 against Cologne, but he did have a homer against him in his career. So there you go. That, see, and that's the kind of stuff that we get to do on almost a minute-by-minute -minute basis when we're at the ballpark in, in the professions that you and I have chosen. That's the kind of stuff that I miss as well. So I, I got to drop this on you before you go. One of the ways that I've been killing time, and, and it's funny because this actually came up even before we had heard of COVID-19, I've got this other podcast going, this thing called the Throwback League, where it's like this March Madness-style bracket of all the World Series teams from basically my youth 
my nostalgia play, which is kind of mid-70s through mid-double O's, and got the Red Sox in there a couple times. Got the 75 team in there, got the 04 team in there, the 86 team in there. So as this thing plays out, I've been asking people in the baseball, no, given that swath that we're talking, I think 74 to 06 is the exact amount of time, asking for your prediction, who you think will come out, who will be in the final playing these simulated games, and I'm broadcasting all of them. That's that's how I get off, right? Wow. I just go into my, my little home studio. I mix in the sound effects, and it's, it's, I'm having a great time doing it. The throwbackleague.com, by the way, if you want to go look for it. So I'm just totally off the top of your head. If you had to predict which great team of all the great teams of that era, 32 years, who's your, if not final four, who do you think gets in that, that final game? Uh, what are we assuming regarding the uh, 1986 Mets and their uh, and their sobriety? <laughs> See, that's the kind of stuff I can play God with a little bit. In, in this simulation, uh, nobody went to Cooters in Houston and got <laughs> locked up for, for a night. Everybody stayed on the straight and narrow. So, yes, the 86 Mets will have their full complement of players, a rotation, all of it. Yeah, so I would probably, uh, I, so you want Final Four? You want the four teams that would stand yeah, out? Yeah, if, if you off the top of your head can find a Final Four, I'm putting you on the spot. But even sure. a Final Two, I'd be I, happy. 98 Yankees are an obvious, right? Uh, I think that uh, I, I think that the 86 Mets are, uh, were, uh, you know, they, they were just so monumental in stature. And uh, when I was growing up, it's uh, it's hard to. Hard to overlook them. I know that that uh, I, I know that some some other people around here might have a somewhat different view. I was from D.C., so uh, theoretically impartial in those uh, in those battles. But yeah, those mm -hmm. those '86 Mets, man, they were crazy good. Um, let's see. I would. I, I guess you've got to go with you've got to go with a big red machine team, right? Like just juggernaut. And then uh, and then if you're going to go with the big red machine. Probably makes sense in the same vein to uh, to go with one of the uh, one of the uh, with maybe let's see, would I go seventy-seven Yankees or seventy-eight Yankees? The I mean, they were basically the same the same team, but uh, you know, hey, you know, Reggie hits three and uh, three and seventy-eight, so uh, I would I would probably go there. So uh, I, I want to make clear, I have no linkage with New York sports. Nonetheless, no. <laughs> I've just identified for you three of the four teams uh, in that would uh, that would belong in that group well, as being from New York. So uh, you know. My apologies for regional bias, I guess. Uh, no, for, for what it's worth, you, if nothing else, you've identified some one seeds in the tournament. I mean, it was crushing for me, now that I'm a Red Sox guy, to, for example, put the, the 75 Red Sox as a 12 seed. But, mm. you know, they, they kind of were. I mean, they didn't win the World Series, and it's not like they won 110 games in the regular season. But, see, but that, that's the kind of stuff we as baseball nerds have been reduced to. we got to go out and, and make our own merry at this point so that's my little side hustle my side project i at least for you i mean you, you've got a six-year-old that you're running after like literally right now so i know that's your <laughs> side hustle so this has actually been maybe the longest stretch during the last two and a half months in which he hasn't uh thrown a fit that would have been audible on a phone call well he, he heard carlos fables and he settled right the hell down so that, that that's that's fantastic. He's a, he's a long-standing admirer of Carlos from his time uh, from his from his time in the minor league system. Yes. Yeah, hey, before I let you go, and this is just a quick little shout out to the Red Sox again. I, you know, I'm not getting paid by him right now. You don't get paid by him, but I, I got to point out since we're taping this on Memorial Day, the Red Sox. I mean, they they, they draped the flag over the monster today. They had a bugler 
a retired U.S. Marine Corps guy from Medford played taps and just, you know, again, did it right, right? I mean, they, they put up on the scoreboard, let's remember the brave men and women who made the ultimate sacrifice to our country. They didn't say happy Memorial Day, which is such a mindless thing to say. Yeah. I, I, I'm going to, as a kind of a, a nouveau riche Red Sox guy, you know, I, I didn't grow up with it either. I'm just always happily astonished at how right they get stuff like that all the time. I think that they've done a remarkable job, uh, you know, for, by and large, especially with, you know, especially with powerful moments, powerful events in our lives um, over the last, you know, under under the current ownership group to, uh, you know, to, to get the, to to identify in most instances the right tone, um, particularly in moments of poignancy. Um, you know, I, I think that there can be you know, it's it's fair to it's fair to suggest there have been moments of celebration that have maybe gotten you know that have maybe uh, gotten away, gotten a little bit out of hand. But um, in terms of uh, in terms of connecting with the emotional pulse of you know moments where we aren't together or where we've experienced collective loss, I think that um, you know they have created an environment uh, that allows us to experience what we're experiencing. Um, to grieve it, you know, sometimes to have a, a sense of, you know, sometimes to have a sense of hope moving forward um, in pretty significant ways. There is, you know, it's the sp sports are in one sense, obviously, like, you know, it's it's a it's a quote unquote diversion. At the same time, it's not just the competition aspect that we miss. It is the opportunity for it to reflect kind of a wide range of emotional values um, and experiences in our lives that uh, that we've been denied. And so, um, yeah, the, the setting of Fenway Park has, has been part of a, a lot of those over the last, you know, oh, oh, I guess over the last more than century. Yeah. Well, very well stated, as you always seem to do anyway. I know you get paid for stating things well, but that was very well stated. Continued success to you with The Globe, Alex, and with with any other books you want to write, by the way, because you, <laughs> you hit that one out of the park that we discussed earlier. Keep safe and and uh, keep well and and keep the the faith that we're going to be playing some baseball soon. Thank you so much for your time, buddy. I wish you a happy, safe, sane Memorial Day. And really, you know, it's uh, it's great to connect any any chance we can because you know that's something we all miss. Yeah, Good right on, time. right on. Alex Beer, many many thanks. Thank you guys for listening once again. It's Red Sox beat. We'll be back next week. I'm Josh Lewin. Bye bye. <laughs>